Welcome to the No Risk Sports Performance Podcast, where we discuss all things sports performance. From training to nutrition and recovery to individual and team victories on and off the field. I'm your host, Judah Boulay, owner of No Risk Sports Performance in Lincoln, Rhode Island. I'm ready to roll, so let's do this. You ready? All set. All right. Um, all right. Welcome, folks, to another episode of the No Risk Performance Podcast. Today, I'm greatly honored to have the one and only Lee Taft um, on the show today. Um, Lee is one of the um, prominent speed coaches in the country. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about sports. We're going to talk a little bit about business. Um, but without any further ado, here's Lee. Lee, please, uh, you know, just give the audience a quick synopsis of your extensive background and um, who you are, what you've been doing and where you're headed um, so people can get a sense. Sure. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you, Judah, for inviting me on. I'm honored to be on. I'm big fan of the work that you do. And I think, uh, I think this would be a lot of fun to share ideas. So, but yeah, I, you know, I've been in fitness and uh, sports uh, from one extent to another for quite a while. I started out as a phys ed teacher back in the eighties. And then, uh, um, you know, also did the, you know, coaching when you're phys ed, a lot of times you end up coach. So I coached three sports and um, you know, when I first started out and then done many other sports over the years but I've also been involved as a strength and conditioning coach for all those years as well. And, um, you know, I, I've owned, a, you know, several academies for speed. And, and then uh, that usually, you know, landed me. What happened was uh, because I got in the game so early with kind of this multidirectional speed concept, it landed me a lot of consulting. So over the years, that started to be a little bit more of a lucrative uh, aspect of my business and in a lot less time, you know, so, uh, so I just naturally kind of went into that route. That's kind of what I'm doing now, much more consulting and coaching others to help them understand it and be able to implement it. You've been in the game, um, for many, many, many years. Um, and you've seen a lot of coaches, um, and a lot of facilities in your time. Um, if you had to, like from your, experience and knowledge if you had to pick out some of the key mistakes that um gym owners or strength coaches or performance coaches make on the business side what are those mistakes or what, what do you see as a common trend yeah yeah well part of the reason i know is because i made them all right right <laughs> you go through and you it's just like being an athlete you fail and then you get back up dust yourself off and you go again and you learn and you you learn from people who've done it well well definitely one of the things is i i don't think people understand the psychology of how the prospect or the potential prospects absorbs marketing so when when you, you and I see something on TV or in a, on a you know, grocery line, you're going and you see all these inquirer and the star and all right. these things, you don't realize how impactful and powerful that is. It, it, it seeps into your, into your brain pretty deep and it, it, it makes you have uh, you know, thoughts that you're, it's like subliminal type stuff. Right. So I think, I think every sports performance facility owner, and manager, whomever, even the trainers, they need to learn how to market so that they impact people. You don't want to repel, 
You want to impact them. So you want to educate them. You want to, even if it's a simple flyer or a, um, you know, a website headline, you want to make sure it's very simple, very short, very clear, and it sends the message as to what they will gain if they participate with you. What happens a lot is I see a lot, matter of fact, it wasn't probably two weeks ago, a guy sent me something he had, and it was all about like what we would call features. Because he talked about the shirt that they get, and they get a, a um, what, do you, what are those things you put over beer bottles down the oh, outside? Koozie. Koozie, yeah, I couldn't think of the name of it. He, they had those things, and, I'll, and I'm trying to explain to him, I'm saying, do you think somebody's going to invest their money because they get a t-shirt in that? But if you were to say they're going to get, you know, a two-tenths of a second faster, they're going to get more blocks in volleyball, those are the benefits or the outcomes people want. Mm -hmm. And they just, they get that mixed up because it's easy, right? It's easy to say, hey, we get a new shirt this month. That's easy to say. But that other stuff is what they people want to know. Right, right, right. Um, so outside of that, what else, so if, if, like, what, other, what other key mistakes have you seen and um, in, in the industry, like um, just in, in terms of like outside, because marketing is a big piece and, yeah. you know, a lot of gyms are product oriented instead of client oriented. oriented. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm just, so outside of marketing, um, what other, wh where else do you see gym owners struggling um, and, you know, feeling like asking that question, did I make the right decision to go into this industry? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to have a clear idea of who you want to help. Okay. So I knew from day one, I was going to do everything I could to help people with speed. So in turn, over years, what happened is I became known as the guy who does multi-directional speed. So that was why I was able to get consulting with a lot of organizations because nobody else tackled that back when I was younger. And so over the years, it grew. So I think a lot of gym owners, I don't know that they're clear as to who they're trying to help. And so how does the, that person who might need their help know? Like mm -hmm. if I say, hey, I have a gym, I get people in shape. Well, uh, you know, everybody's going to say that. But what does right. that really mean? Right. But if I were to say, hey, I help women 35 to 50 who are struggling with, uh, that, you know, still the baby weight right. and motivation to work out. And they're struggling with maybe some kind of health issue because of that. If I clearly state that. That makes it very, very clear to those people that I'm a really good option for them because the problems they're having, that's what I try to solve. That's my job. So I don't think gym owners are very clear as to who they're trying to help. And you and I know this, right. uh, Judy, because you're very good with this as well. We all feel we can help anyone. Mm -hmm. And that's a good quality to have. And there's no doubt if we have enough knowledge, a good enough knowledge, we probably can help a lot of people in different areas. You know, there's, there's some skill sets I just don't have, but for the most part, I can help people gain weight, lose weight, get faster, get stronger, powerful. I can do that stuff. But when you have a, a, a lot of people that have a very distinct issue they want to be tackled and they want to challenge, but I say that I do everything. Right. Well, they're probably not going to be as confident with me. But if the guy up the street says, you know what? 
I work with middle school, eighth grade volleyball players, and I help them make varsity the next year. Every middle school female volleyball player is going to go to that guy, right? right. And I'm not going to get them because he's very clear as to who he wants to work with and who he wants to help. And what happens is people will say, yeah, but I'm missing out on all these other people. You're probably not going to get them anyway. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get a lot of those people in your niche if you drive deeper in the niche. I mean, we know a lot of people out there who just niche in a particular market and did extremely well with that. And they didn't worry about all the other markets, right? That's, those are the ones that make a lot of money and they make a lot of impact as well. So that's a big one for me. I think that we see where people, uh, you know, make gym owners make mistake. And then, uh, and then the other one that keeps going in my head is understanding like facility size, facility usage, and what you're capable of doing. Would I love to have all the fancy bells and whistles? Sure. If I had the extra money, I had the space. Yeah, why not? But I don't need it. And I think if people went in and had a clean facility with a clear message, built a great culture, and you had ropes and bands and medicine bowls and kettlebells and just bars and some plates, you could kill it if your message was right. And you right. sold that story. You got to sell your story. People will listen if you sell it. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm definitely I'm where I feel like um, too many gym owners, um, you know, focus on like the next big shiny yeah. bell and whistle or object instead of focusing in on tailoring their their messaging or tailoring their, their business practices. Um, so um, yeah. and then they end up in the same place they were, yeah. you know, with struggles, but just with a, a you know, fancier toy. Yeah, um, right. so without really making much improvement, um, so, and like the, the fancy bell and whistle is not going to bring people in. It's all the other stuff, which brought people in before or didn't, which is going to be the, the, their key to success or failure. Yeah, um, exactly. so, you know, we met through a, um, a, a one, a, uh, a course that you ran <clears throat> on, um, running camps and clinics. And I want to give you some time to, um, talk about that, um, how do you see um, camps and clinics helping um, fitness or uh, sports performance coaches? Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. First of all, camps and clinics is, a, is an avenue that allows um, the gym owner, the performance gym or fitness, the general fitness too, because I've done a lot for that as well with camps and clinics, is it allows you to get in front of a lot more people and it, it can be free or it could be a high expensive camp if you want. It just depends on how you're doing it. But it allows you to get in front of more people. It allows them, the potential prospect who might sign with you, it allows them a sample. And everybody likes to sample things first. Do I want to work with Lee? And am I sure? Well, if I go to this, you know, three-week clinic series he's doing or one-day, two-hour clinic, you know, if I don't like it, you know, I lost a day. But if I have to sign up for six months and I've never had a chance to sample and that's right. kind of, that's why people won't even, they won't even cross the line. So the camps allow you to do that. They allow me to showcase my skill set, my personality. They allow me to get in front. It's actually like a very active business card. It just allows me to let them kind of sample who I am and what I'm going to do for them. The other thing it does is camps are very universal. Like people go camping, families go camping, church camps, summer camps, 
music camps, you know, there's camps are not foreign to people. So when you start talking to parents, hey, you know, I'm offering a one week camp five days a week or an eight week camp or whatever. That's not something new to them. So you don't have to sell them on the idea of a camp. You just have to sell them on the outcome you're going to give their child or themselves if they choose to do it. And it's a great way to do it. And so uh, the camp or clinic model allows business owners to be able to uh, uh, like throw a big net out and get more people potentially to come and train with them in their facility. And that was how, when I had my speed academies, that was how I grew so fast because I would go to all these schools and do what I call the marketing clinic. And I'm getting in front of anywhere between 30 and hundred, but the biggest one I did was 120 kids. And I always ended up with signups. And so if I'm doing 10, 11 of those, you know, and if I'm getting a pretty good percentage of that, I filled up really fast just doing those. And then lastly, the camp or clinic model, when you do them often enough and you do them in front of the right people, you instantly become an authority right off. You start doing those and people start to know you as kind of, you know, we use the word expert, but nobody's really an expert, but right. you're an authority on that particular skill set that you're teaching. So, yeah, I think they're phenomenal. Okay, awesome. Now, are you going to be running another uh, one of those soon for coaches or... We will. We're, we're not going to run it right yet, but um, we're just we're working on something else that we're doing with mm -hmm. our toolbox right. um, program there. We're just trying to fine tune a couple things there, but we will. We'll definitely we're looking more. And when we ran the last one, we kind of had said we, the next one was going to come sometime in the fall. So we're pretty right. much sticking to that uh, just to kind of get us a chance to work on a couple other things. And then, yeah, but we really enjoy them because uh, because they're impactful. You know, they're right. they're. They're, you know, they can be a really like a slow drip process. And when you get good at them, you can almost dial up, you know, your business. Right. Now, and speaking of that, from your business, finding your niche. So you've slightly moved away from training athletes now to where you're kind of focusing on making coaches better. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's like, you know, so you're focused. You still have some athletes because. Yeah. You're a lead half to speed guy and, you know, <laughs> athletes are going to gravitate to you or, or teams and all that. Um, but now you're working with coaches and trying to make the coaches better. Um, and that's your niche, right? So yeah. um, how are you, you know, talk about your, um, the Speed Insiders Toolbox, which is, you know, one of the avenues, which I know you've been working on to try to help um, get your message across to help coaches become better coaches. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. So the, the toolbox actually started about 15 years ago and we ran it for a little while. And then um, we had a little business model change. We moved and did some stuff and we kind of stopped it. And then we restarted it a couple of years ago and I love it, but I wasn't happy with it because my, my personal feeling is I like to teach. Like I like to take through a process. So we actually stopped it for a little bit. We restarted it. And what we're doing is we're actually doing it in like this module format where each month we're driving in deep into a particular skill set. And the other thing, Judah, that I, I really try to do, and this is hard for me because I like to share information, mm -hmm. is we tried to reduce how much stuff we put in there because what I was finding, people who were leaving were leaving because they're like, I just can't find time to get through everything. It's just so much stuff. We like it, but it's, I just can't do it. I can't. So 
and and I knew better than that because that's that's one of the cardinal sins of of giving anything. When you teach a class, if you give too much, it just you can't absorb it. So we what we try to do is give very detailed information, but not too much, and then do it weekly. So coaches can learn it at their own time. They have a little bit of time to implement it. And then the next lesson comes week two, week three, week four. And then the next month is a new module. Nice. And we're, really, we're getting great feedback from that. And uh, people are excited about it because it's actually giving them a chance to absorb it. And so, so that's been good. Oh, that's awesome. Great. Um, all right. So um, I know you're busy and I, I'm going to just hit you with the uh, three questions I ask every guest. Oh, yeah. All right. So um, First one is, do you have a favorite quote um, or something which you use as your mantra um, or some, a, a quote that you always refer to? Like if you work with an athlete and this is the like, you know, the thing that you spit out at them or, or whatnot. So do you have a favorite quote? You know, um, this quote goes more to uh, people that are struggling or athletes that are struggling with maybe a coach that got on them or a parent or somebody else. Uh, and I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt's quote. It's always been one of my favorite ones and I've used it for years is nobody can make you feel bad about yourself unless you give them permission. So it doesn't matter what you say to me. If I don't, if I can just be mentally strong and not let that bother me, because that's your opinion. Right. right. So I, I try to get that across because especially in today's world, we know kids are very sensitive. They get down and I'm like, People are going to say things for whatever reason, but if you don't give it permission to bother you, it won't. And you got to work on that. So that's always been one of my favorite ones. That's a great quote. Um, I like that. Um, I got to actually use that with my, use that on my kids now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do with my kids. Because, you, know? <laughs> I, I, you know, they're both having nine and six-year-old and they're always like, can you call me this? <laughs> you know, and like getting all upset. Um, all right. Uh, favorite book. If you had to recommend one book, this is like another one of those like really hard questions because I know you're, you, you're you, you know, there's probably thousands of books that you've read in your life. Yeah. If you had to pick one book, it could be on training or it could be on whatever one book to recommend to somebody, what would that book be? Um, gosh, I would go definitely between, and I know it sounds kind of uh, redundant because I'm sure a lot of people do, but certainly the uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People was always one that, you know, that I really liked, but there's another one that's driving me nuts because I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it, but it's the power of, it's a, um, it's a sports um psychology book mm -hmm. and um I'll, I'll think of it here in a minute here but it's a book that i probably read six eight times because it was just so impactful on on the way it was easy, like it was an easy read but it was an impactful read and um the, the power of engagement i think is okay. the power of engagement yeah um and um the sports psychologist there was actually a couple of them in it. And they're just really, really good points to it. And that was one that I just loved. I love, you know, and then from a business, I like the, the book, uh, Make It Stick. Make It Stick was one that always, because I think that's a powerful message, you know? So yeah, those would be a couple of the good ones I like. Okay. And Make It Stick? Yeah. Make It Stick is a great one. All right. Awesome. And last question. All right. Lee Taft's three keys to success. What Lee are they? Three keys to success. Uh, well, I would say, because these are things that I try to do for myself is, uh, uh, you know, that I would promote as well is uh, don't ever think that you've got it figured out. Always be open to learn. Right? That's that's number one. 
Number two is I think, I don't think enough people have great habits. And what I mean by habits, I mean their daily get up in the morning, do this, do this, do that. That's your habit because when I don't have to think about things, it goes easier. If I have to think about, okay, what am I going to put on? What am I going to do in the morning for a workout? What, what time am I going to get up? I have very distinct habits and I follow those. And I think people who don't struggle, I think they don't get a lot of things done. I can get a lot done. One of my goals now is I try to get stuff done by noon. Mm-hmm. And then the, anything I have to do the rest of the day is because I want to, or maybe I have to do something after that or a schedule lets me. But in terms of my busy work, I get up at five. I try to be done by noon on purpose because then I do have the extra time if I need it. I think that's good. Um, and then and then the last one in terms of success. And um, I think you have to be and this. This has to do with with uh, more or less. Uh, business kind of stuff is you got to be willing to say no to the good to say yes to the great. I struggled with this. I said yes to everything. Right. And I just missed a lot of opportunities. I wore myself out. So I think you have to kindly say no to the good so you can say yes to the great. So you have opportunities to be able to grow your business because you can't do everything for everyone as much as we'd like to. So, so I would say those three have been pretty good. Those are things I work on all the time. Well, yeah, and I, I, the second one is no shock because you are probably one of the most productive people, um, <laughs> you know, I know just in terms of like everything that you have on your plate. Um, okay. Lee, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, this has been great, highly informative, and I hope our listeners um, will um, take a lot of the lessons that you uh, you taught us today um, to heart and implement them in their coaching or, or their business. So uh, well, thanks thank again. You. Thank you, Judah. I appreciate appreciate all you're doing. You're offering a lot for all of us out there. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for listening to the No Risk Sports Performance Podcast. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button, as well as checking out the show notes for more information on our guests. You can find us on Instagram at Nourish Sports Performance. Until next time, I'm your host, Judah Boulay reminding you to train smart and recover smarter.